0: Hello and you are listening to Scar Joe a Go-Go, the podcast where I chronicle and dissect the films of Scarlett Johansson in chronological order. I'm Luke and this week we're talking about a love song for Bobby Long. We're here to learn, not just to yarn, for our must love celebrity. We'll watch the screen, what can we glean from her career trajectory? she'd prefer if you'd refer to her as Miss Johansson. Don't be a jerk to Miss Johansson. Respect her work. She starts off really small and then she grows, she grows, she grows, she grows. Let's see how far she goes. Scar Jo would go. Long is right, Jesus Christ. Look, Hopefully, 15 episodes into this labor of love, I have revealed myself, laid myself bare to be a passionate and rigorous Scarlett Johansson scientist. I have treated each film uh, firmly but fairly uh, with both the enthusiasm and curiosity of an explorer of strange lands. A dashing, rugged, masculine explorer of strange lands. I have treated Miss Johansson herself uh, with the utmost respect here. We've always kept the focus on her work uh, and not on her personal life. I didn't even mention the little person that popped out of her recently. Congratulations on, on that, by the way. Um, and I've done my best not to objectify her like those drawling hordes out there on the internet. Do you know who, who you are. That I call the Brohansons. bro. Hansons. bro. And uh, I absolutely adore producing this show. However, all that said, I really, really, really didn't want to watch the love song of Bobby Long. Like, this is the one I've been looking forward to the absolute least. Um, I read up on it beforehand. It is a dour drama starring John Travolta as a withered literature professor who pisses blood and drinks himself to death. No, thank you, ma'am. I would rather see a sequel to My Brother the Pig. And if we weren't completists, if I wasn't completely dedicated to our cause here, if I had one free pass to get out of watching a film, I might just have used it on this. Because, like, I have a day job and I work for a living. When I come home after a long day of sitting at a computer and prepare for a long evening of sitting at a computer, I want... Joy and enlightenment, entertainment, inspiration. I, like, I don't want to think about mortality and death. If you want to be reminded by, uh, of mortality, you know, this is John Travolta, just 10 years after his triumphant return in Pulp Fiction, now uh, grey-haired, bloated, and crying in his underwear. And um, that was just the script reading. And look, I would rather wear a beard of bees However, again, however, take two. This is not John Tra-a-gogar. This is all about Scarlet. This is what we're here for. And the good news is that when I actually sat down and forced myself to watch this friggin' thing, totally Clockwork Orange style, you know, the toothpicks on the eyelids, um, I actually think that uh, Scarlet, spoilers here, for her, this is a return to form. So, rather than dwell on all the negative, all the, the Bobby Long negatives, let's accentuate the positive, which is kind of a pun as well, because the accent in this film is kind of all over the place. Um, and she ate things. Accent, you ate. So it's a, like a double pun. Yeah. But first, when we last left Scarlett, if you recall, she had regressed to sassy high schooler again in MTV's unfunny SAT theft comedy The Perfect Score, a a movie starring a team of six teenagers in which the two bland white guys inexplicably hooked up with the only two girls in the film, while the black guy and the Asian guy sadly alone twiddled their thumbs. But she did get to work with Chris Evans, future Captain America, for the first time. Uh, She did her first action scene. It was a dream sequence, but it was pretty great. And she dressed wonderfully. She looked amazing. Um, The issue was that she just didn't have enough to do. Her character had very little range. Not much was asked of her. And I couldn't help thinking that Scarlett needed something more substantial to sink her teeth into. So here's the question... Is Bobby Long it? Is it the thing? Is she gonna sink her teeth into the Bobby Long thing film? Uh, It's a film from 2004. I believe it was based on an unpublished novel, which has a completely different name. I can't remember what that's called. I didn't write it down because every time I started reading about Bobby Long, my eyes glazed over and I started thinking about different things happier things like lost in translation and uh look let's just get into the film we're going to work it all out as we go so the film opens uh with filthy shadowy john travolta he's sort of silhouetted he's got a like stubble he's got battered gross feet he's smoking he's drinking he's just being gross in general uh scarlet is second build though which is really great and look, the film already has a kind of nice feel to it. It, it. I think it's shot quite nicely. Um, it's bleak. There's a, It's set in New Orleans. So New Orleans, New Orleans, I don't know. I'm not from there. Uh, but it's got that interesting um, New Orleans colour palette. It's, it's lurid, I think is a good way to describe it. Uh, Travolta limps down the street drinking from a paper bag like a disgusting old hobo. Uh, until he reaches a graveyard and looks over at a funeral in progress. Now, it appears that these people, John Travolta has a, a link to this dead person as well, they have lost a woman called Lorraine. And uh, this is all narrated by uh, Gabrielle Mackt. Who's Gabriel Mackt? Mackt, Marked? Mocked? I only say mocked because it's spelled like yacht, but with an M. It's probably Mackt. We're gonna say macht. Uh If you don't know this dude, He's the guy from The Spirit. He played The Spirit, another Scarlett Johansson movie that we're going to have to sit through later. Um, I haven't seen him in anything else except uh, now I'm seeing him in this. And uh, he's narrating, uh, but no Scarlett voice narrating. I like it when Scarlett narrates. She's got a wonderful voice, beautiful to listen to, but no. It's Gabrielle Macked. And Gabrielle has the unenviable task of living with uh, hobo John Travolta and driving him around the place. We're going to find out about more, more about these guys in a minute. But three and a half minutes into the film, we get a complete shift in tone. Uh, there's lively music we cut to a trailer park and the camera pans up from some very familiar bare feet. I've talked about this before on the podcast. There's something about Scarlett and her feet. Um, she always touches her feet. The film's reference her feet. This one starts on her feet and the camera pans up to a pantsless Scarlett Johansson. So she's getting typecast now as Scarlet No Pants On. Uh, this is a like third underwear scene in about what, four movies or something like that. And she's sitting on a couch, which is absolutely littered with junk food wrappers. She's got a remote control in one hand and a jar of open peanut butter in her lap. And she's putting the peanut butter spoon, she's dipping it into a bag of M&Ms and then just like hoeing into this thing like she doesn't give a damn. And the jar, the peanut butter jar, the brand is Peter Pan. Like, does she think that she'll never get old and never die? Is she living in Never Neverland? She thinks she's going to eat all this peanut butter and, um... I was going to say, she'll fit into the same pair of pants. Doesn't matter. She's discarded the pants. Scarlet, no pants on. Pants are gone. Scarlet, her pants gone. No. The first one was better. So, and she's ironically watching a cooking show. That's kind of amusing, right? Like, she's eating all this bullshit, but she's watching uh, professional chefs cook. Huh? That's funny. And um, her gross boyfriend enters, and her first line is said. We always mention the first line. Uh, Without even looking at him, she says, Did you find a job? To which he responds, Did you clean the fuck up? Which, you know, is pretty self-evident when you look at this house. We actually realise now there's even a motorbike in the living room. You might have a coffee table. These guys in their little trailer have a a motorbike inside. How crazy is that? I guess it's so they can um, ride to the toilet. And uh, look, her blonde hair is back. And the fact that she's got this like blonde hair, she's got no pants, she's got an inattentive partner. This already feels to me kind of like a white trash lost in translation. And she does look amazing. Um, She's really sort of, you know, grown and, and sort of filled out. And she looks quite stunning in this. I'm actually not judging the lifestyle here. I think, you know, Scarlett Johansson on the couch eating peanut butter and m ms I think that's better than, like, being in a um, ball gown on the red carpet or something like that, right? It's more relatable. It's relatable. It's fun. Good, good, uh, Scarlett Jo Palsen, She's your pal. Hang it now. That was terrible. Um, We can pretend I didn't say that. Look, he gives the, um, late message. This is the boyfriend. Delivers this message that Lorraine has died. Now, Scarlett's kind of pissed off that she's only just getting this message because uh, Lorraine, it turns out, is Scarlett Johansson's mother. Um, And this is a really good start for Scarlett, acting-wise, at least as far as the uh, emotion is concerned, like the way she arcs up at this guy, um, the sort of dramatic thrust of this. She's not overacting, um, you know, she's really selling it. Already, I feel like this is in good hands. Uh, The only issue here is that um, it's hard to really establish if she's committing to the southern accent. It's kind of there, it's kind of not there. There's little waves of it, but she never fully commits to it, in my opinion. She never really owns it. And there's some swear Joe here as well, uh, when she calls him a fucking asshole. I always like to hear her unleash with the swears, with the cuss words. That's mainly because I'm immature than any other uh, special reason. And, um, this is her third time with a female director. Uh, the director is Shani Gable, who hasn't done a lot of other films. And, um, she had a female director in Manny and Lowe, and also, of course, Lost in Translation. And there's something about that where I feel like these women really understand her charms better. Like, they understand who she is and what her appeal is. And, um... I wonder if they even collaborate with her more and let her have more input into it because they're not uh, intimidated by her in the same way that a man might be. I don't know. Maybe that's drawing a a long bow, Hawkeye. But I think um, it's interesting that uh, women directors seem to have been able to get a really great performance out of her. Oh, of course other directors have as well I think Terry Zwigoff and um, the Cohen brothers of course I mean but they're all wonderful experts who have a big body of work. Now um, we cut to more of Travolta being drunk and gross with uh, Gabriel Macht. Uh they're talking about literature. Um, Travolta it turns out was a literature professor and, and Mac a supposed writer who is living with him in order to write a book about him. So Travolta is actually Bobby Long. And Matt, is, who's, you know, the younger of the two, is supposed to be writing a book about Bobby Long's life. Uh, we're going to worry about these two characters, these two rum customers, as little as possible. And, and focus on Scarlet, who is now in a taxi, sort of taking in her surroundings, looking out the window while a song plays over the top. And again, it, it's a total lost in translation moment. And I like that. She's so engaging to watch. I've said that before. She has that presence. I, I feel like some of these quieter moments are the best. Just watching her take in her surroundings is really nice for me. Um, and she's chewing gum, though, this time because she's white trash. So that's a good reminder. And um, look, she's back in tomboyish clothes again, too. Um, she's got jeans on, like a sort of purple tank top. And I kind of like seeing her back on form here and in... And, and sort of easing into a character that I feel she's more comfortable with and more appropriate for. So she goes to her mother's house, her late mother's house, uh, to find that Travolta and Mack, those scallywags, the jackanapes, are living there in absolute squalor. And she's really not uh, impressed at this at all, perhaps forgetting the fact that she also lives in squalor. Uh, maybe, what, there's not enough motorbikes in the living room for you, Scarlet? And uh, she's criticising their lifestyle. Just straight away, right off the bat, also forgetting that uh, she eats peanut butter out of her lap. And then a bedridden Travolta. I mean, Travolta's really in a bad way here. He's not looking good. Um, It's sort of like, if you were... This could be a sequel uh, to Pulp Fiction in the sense that he kind of looks like the corpse of Vincent Vega ten years later. And Travolta bullshits that Lorraine left the house to Travolta, Matt, and Scarlet to share. They, you know, they each own a third of this house. It's not true, by the way, but that's what he tells her. Um, so, look at this. Look at these three characters. Wouldn't this be a great sitcom? Sort of like a dour, depressing version of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place. Uh, except it would be called Two Alcoholics, a Redneck, and a Shithole. And um, her southern accent really comes out now as she gets annoyed with Travolta. Like, it comes out almost in a cartoonish way in one of these scenes where she's yelling. Um, But then her real voice keeps slipping in. That's interesting. Like, I prefer, I don't know, I like watching her react to things in these sequences. Um, I think it's interesting that she's playing an ill-educated character. We don't see that very often. She's normally quite sharp. I really enjoy her performance here, but I think the accent is a problem. And I think it's the director's fault, totally. Now, I know it might seem like I'm always sticking up for Scarlet, I'm always blaming the director, and you're like, oh, come on now. But that's the director's job. You've got to get all these pieces working together in the best way possible. And as a director, I'm sorry, but you are ultimately responsible for what goes out on the screen. The actors aren't sitting there in the editing room You know, you cast these people, you go through rehearsals, I feel it's the director's responsibility to identify whether or not um, the accent's going to work, if she's going to be able to pull it off, if it's going to look good, sound good, Um, and if not, make the hard decision. How important is the accent? Can we get away without it? Can we dial it down a bit? I don't know what sequence this film was shot in, but it almost feels to me like there's a couple of scenes that may have been shot first, where she really pushed the accent, and then they went, you know what, don't worry about it too much, just go back. Uh, that should have been worked out, in my opinion, before the cameras started rolling. So I blame you director, I was, I was, um, you know, praising you before for really understanding her. Now I'm criticizing you for, for not, you know, getting on top of this accent thing. And that's just how we roll here. You know, I'm gonna tell the truth and uh, I'll turn on you. I'll be all your friend and then I'll turn on you. But don't worry, I'm still your friend because it's constructive criticism. And I still think you're pretty great. So, more gross, drunk Travolta. Um, I felt really unclean watching some of this stuff. Um, And then Scarlet, like she, what happened was, was she went through her mum's stuff, her dead mum's stuff and she found a book. She was given this book. And um, she's at a Greyhound lounge, like ready to get on the Greyhound bus and go. She turns out she waits there for a very long time and she eats noodles and she reads this book. And um, there's a bit of a montage here, a bit of time lapse, uh, music plays over the top as she continues to eat and becomes more engrossed in this book. And you see her body language change, the way she gets comfortable in the chairs, the way, you know, you can tell she's really enjoying this. And for me, this is the best part of the film so far, by far. Like, I, honestly, I'm not bullshitting you here. I could just watch Scarlett eat and read for two hours. It's just so pretty. It's so genuine. It's so engrossing. It's like... You know, when you've got someone that's really close to you. Like, a, it could be a lover. could be a friend. could be a relative. And you just think, hmm, look at you just enjoying yourself. This is just fantastic. It's just um, reading. Yeah. It, it, like, it works. Uh, and she's reading, the heart is a lonely hunter. What's that going to be all about? Is that going to come back? Probably. And she, you know, has a change of heart here. There we go, heart ready. And um, she heads back to the house. Now... She lets herself in, Goldilocks style, and falls asleep. Travolta wakes her up and, um, you know, is pretty gross, as you can imagine. She's not happy about that. And he explains, though, that the book, the reason uh, this book was left, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, is that Lorraine always felt that it was a story of misfits, invisible people, now, isn't that interesting? Though those are qualities that Scarlett has really excelled at portraying throughout this entire series. She's always played um, a misfit. She's, oh, like, her best roles at least. She's been a misfit. Um, you know, invisible people. What, like, invisible people in a ghost world? You know, drifting through society, never quite fitting in. I think uh, this is a really interesting choice. And look. She also gets to turn on the painted sarcasm here in this scene as well. Um, gets very sarcastic, uh, dials it up to a good uh, seven or eight at least. You might think seven or eight? That's not much. Well, she's always got room to go because she can be very, very sarcastic when she wants to. And she says this line like shortly after. It's funny, like most of her dialogue's quite normal, but then occasionally it's a really ham fisted southern thing. And she says, so, y'all are really into books, huh? <laughs> Scarlet. And uh, she's kind of standoffish as she first gets to know Gabrielle Max's character. She's got questions still, unanswered questions about her mother and how this all went down and, and how she sort of fits into all this. But it's still the quiet moments uh, that are the best for me, like as she just continues to explore her mother's belongings and begins to really settle in. A gardener ogles her as she looks at the flowers outside. Uh, Turns out her character was named after a flower. Um, Her name's Percy, I think. Percy Will or something like that. I I don't want to get very bro handsome, but I did notice as well, like, as he's ogling her. Because he's ogling her and, you know, it's clear. She's very busty in this film and and in this um, scene particularly. It's like just this sudden kind of like, where did those come from? Like, I don't remember this in any of the uh, previous uh, films. And it's kind of funny because the next scene uh, is in a bar. And as if to echo my thought, the bartender lady goes to her she walks in. Dang, last time I saw you, you were teeny. And um, Scarlett is smoking again too, just like in The Perfect Score. And I mentioned in that that she smokes a lot in films, and I wondered if she's an actual real smoker. I'd say this is more evidence that uh, she is a smoker, because she handles those cigarettes pretty well. She could be acting, acting smoking, and they could CGI in all the smoke. But I, I think she's a smoker, or was at this point in time, which was uh, a million years ago. And um, then Gross Travolta sings to a bunch of gross people in a gross garden. And Scarlet seems a little taken by this. Seems like moderately impressed for a moment by um, Bobby Long. But then he tells a gross story and that sort of gets her all riled up. He's, um, he's talking about pussy. And uh, she leaves and she flips him the bird. Always like seeing Scarlet flip the bird. Haven't seen it since Ghost World, I don't think. So that was pretty cool as well. Now, Scarlet walks through the woods. She's chatting to one of Lorraine's old pals. Um, Very confident starlet Scarlet here. She's got that starlet quality that like just, you know, uh, big time movie star sort of thing about her. Like just very easy to watch. Really just owning the film at this point. Ah, She goes back, she cleans the fridge, and she reveals that she is a high school dropout. And the guys are pretty shocked at this. Even though they live in squalor and all beaten up and they're a couple of drunks, uh, they do value education. And there's not many American films I've seen where they value education. Um, In fact, The Perfect Score was one of them. So uh, that's kind of cool. We like that. She renovates the house. She paints. uh, She smokes. She looks good. Uh, and I said the acting's good, but the accent is still keeps dipping out. Um, but I love seeing her like as she starts to dig into the house, and um, like they don't want her there, she doesn't want them there. But she starts to like sort of dig in and kind of claim her territory. I really enjoy seeing her like sitting like a badass. She's got her feet up. She's got this pissed off look. She's eating her peanut butter and M and M's again. Um, and she totally stands up to John Travolta, like he's trying to really like put her off and get her out of here. And, and she just goes like head to head with Travolta. And I mean, this guy has been acting for a billion years. He was back in Welcome Back Cotter with all the, you know, up your nose with a rubber hose. Um, he had a real pussy wagon. He, he did all this stuff in the past. She doesn't give a shit. She's right up in his face, screaming at him. And I actually think gets the better of him. And I thought this was pretty awesome, actually. It's sort of that moment where the film kind of sparked to life for a second for me. And he tries to get her back. Like, you know, he's on the back foot. So he's like, all right, well, I'm coming back at you. Comes back at her sort of nastier. And she steps on his sore foot and pours um, his drink all over him. You know, she's yelling at him to the point where she's about to, to tear up. And I thought this was an excellent performance. Like, I really loved this. And this time, you know, that, that's why I think this was shot in a weird order where they were with the accent because now when she yells and swears, um, you know, the accent's really not there. It's normal Scarlet voice, but it's just so fucking great. Like, such a relief to me because I didn't enjoy the the first two films. And I'm not really enjoying this one story-wise. I'm not invested in the story, but I am invested in her performance. And that's why we're here. So it is good to see her back. Karma times now. Change of pace. Uh, now she's hanging out with Matt. They're chatting on the porch. She's doing that great obsessive compulsive kind of thing I've seen her do before. She's fiddling with her hands and she's like rubbing her knee. She's looking around distractedly, like not looking him in the eye as she talks to him. And um, aspirations, she says if she could do anything. She would work in a hospital. That would be her dream. And in the last film, she wanted to run a no kill animal shelter or do porn. This time it's a hospital. Both films, neither of those dreams pay off or are mentioned again. But isn't it sweet that uh, she has hopes and uh, aspirations? Now, here is the origin of a famous gif. Now, this is the the shot that I, for some reason, thought was in Girl with a Pearl Earring, but is here instead. Uh, Matt walks into a room and he walks in on Scarlet post-shower with a... Just sort of quickly wrapping a towel around her. And then this is like this famous scarlet side boob um, thing, which is a gif all over the place. And she really doesn't seem to be perturbed by this. And in the context of the film, it is incredibly brief. He just says, sorry, you know, I forgot a a woman um, works in here, but I guess, or lives here, but I guess it sort of seeds um, this spark of attraction on his behalf. Um, So it is very brief. It's kind of been put out of context and uh, blown out of proportion, um, which is what the internet likes to do. But I also think like to be to be frank i think her boobs have been blown out of proportion i think this is the gift that every makes everybody think that her, her boobs are like just absolutely ginormous and i'm, I'm not sure they are um probably <laughs> not important to um the thrust of this story here but you know that little tease is in there and um we can only see that she's, uh, you know, very much grown into this sort of like strong, confident, desirable woman. And um, she's starting to inhabit those kind of characters, which uh, considering, you know, the first dozen of these episodes she's a kid, um, it is a change worth mentioning, right? Uh, and she emerges to chat to him in the kitchen wearing a, a white dress this time, uh, looking far more feminine than she has in the entire film. And this again is a total transformation. Um, and to continue this seed of interest he offers to show her around the town and, and off they go um, and eat junk food it's her stuffing stuffing like I don't know if it's like a churro or something in her mouth it's like this big crazy pastry thing he even comments on the fact that she's um, eating crap all the time I think you know Scarlet eating junk food I think it's great like that should be a website right? scarleteatscrap.com uh, get me that one and look, she's very comfortable and playful in these quieter moments of reflection with Mact. Uh And it's comfortable. It's not exciting. Like, the movie never excites me, but she is strong. And, and she's definitely the best thing about this film, for sure. Like, her presence here is really great. And um, it's here she decides she wants help getting her GED. She wants to be educated. And then she goes home, she starts reading uh, Steinbeck. I'm telling you. Someone put together the eating and reading edit. This would be a perfect, like, 10-minute film of just eating and reading. You don't need the other uh, hour and 50 minutes. So um, Travolta ups the ante and gets her accepted into a high school. And um, I'm thinking, like, she cannot escape high school, this poor girl. Uh, At least they don't show her the scenes of her in high school. They don't appear in the film. But she does start to go off there. And um, when they think about the possible subjects that she could do, the very first one mentioned is french and i thought that was interesting as well because um i don't know since in my brother the pig when she's described as a francophile and he's looking all that stuff on up on france i i've been really aware of all the french references that have seeped into the film since and um of course in her personal life the father of this little person is from france so uh There's something there Like I wonder if there is Is it all coincidence Or is this a sign of collaboration Like are they going Alright the script says uh, German And she's like could it be French I really like their fries And the director's gone Well yes Anything for you because you are doing A good job Whereas you Travolta You need to clean up your act so um, they begin to help teacher and she protests constantly. There's a great scene of them trying to homeschool her and her just not giving a fuck about Travolta and his bullshit. And look, I totally respect that. There's like, it's just sarcasm, sarcasm, sarcasm. And I've decided that this is one of the, the traits, this is one of the things I like the best to see her perform is I like belligerent Scarlet. The Scarlet that's just been so difficult. You've got these two guys doing their best to um, give her some book learnings, and she is being an absolute shit. But it's, it's quite adorable. Uh, and then she gets all cleaned up. She's ready for school. The accent sort of sneaks back in for a little bit here, sort of uh, pops its head in the door and goes, Hey, I'm the accent. Does anybody remember me? And everybody's like, Go away, accent. Go home. You're drunk. And the accent's like, All right, but I'll pop my head in later and see, you know, if I can be of help. Uh, but the scene itself is pitched well. I mean, as I said, she's just a beautiful young woman in this film. Like, she's more grown up, more confident. I, I thought these sequences were actually really sweet. Um, and as I said, we don't see her actual school day. But, twist, she doesn't come home all inspired and, and you're the man now, dog, and anything like that. She actually returns to the bar, really pissed off and frustrated. She does not feel like she belongs there. And why would she? She's used to like the trailer park she's probably shocked that she can't ride a motorbike down the hallway to the cafeteria there's all these rules and regulations she's just not a part of she's getting school dinner and she's like where are the m&ms where's the peanut butter what the fuck um so the bartender offers her a weekend job on the provision that she stays in school and there's reluctant agreeance here love the belligerence Um, And look, time passes, she's reading more, she's writing answers on her hand. Is this a throwback to uh, Home Alone 3 where she wrote answers on her foot? Uh, And then winter arrives. Winter, no warning. I mean, look at this. This is how you do winter Game of Thrones. It's not like four, five, six, seven seasons of winter is coming all over the posters, people saying that all the time, and then like it still doesn't come. This winter, it came everywhere, all over. Everything's white, winter, winter suddenly it's there. She's quite funny in this scene. This is her funniest scene in the film. She's warming herself by a pot of boiling water on the stove and she's wearing like this green army cap and she has a towel wrapped around her head and she's like very cold and shivering and, and sarcastic. Very cool. I, I think she's stolen this film from Travolta and there's nothing he can do about it even if he wanted to. It's hers. She's got it. She's run off with it. He's left in the lurch. He can uh, threaten to put a rubber hose up a nose as much as he want. He can get in grease lightning, try and chase it down. Not, not going to do it. Can't do a fucking thing at all. Um, and she gets a great monologue now. Uh, this is a nice quiet moment with Travolta as she remembers her mother. And like it turns out her, abs- her mother was um, absent a lot. In, um, and this was in order to pursue a showbiz career. She was a singer. And uh, I thought that was interesting. Like, that's the challenge, isn't it? I mean, this is a challenge now that Scarlett is a mother. She has to think about it. She's still got a career to pursue, uh, but she's also going to have to juggle a baby. And um, she probably didn't think when she was making this film that this was going to be a pressing uh, button issue, hot topic thing. I don't know what I'm saying, but you know what I mean? She didn't think this was going to be a thing that she would have to deal with. She was all young and, and full of... Um, um, lollipops, but I have no idea. (laughs) Uh, Hope. um, Just just enjoying herself. Now she's, you know, a person with responsibilities and maybe she can relate to the other side of the thing. You know what I mean? Neither do I. Um, And then Scarlet is dancing in the bar with old Travolta. Now this is the best bit of Travolta. And I've got to admit, seeing her in there dancing um, kind of almost shot... In the same sort of way as Uma Thurman and John Travolta. That is pretty magical. Like how could you turn that down? Like the chance to dance with old Travolta. I mean we're giving him a a tough time. Because of this gross character he's playing. But the the man is still a legend. And she looks like she's having a a blast here. And why wouldn't she be? And um, you know you already know. If you've ever seen a film before. Things are suddenly so good now. That something horrible is destined to happen, and yep, sure enough, um, all this drunken drama unfolds at the dinner table, they're still at the bar, between Travolta and Mac, and their shitty, complicated, fucked up past. Um, You know, it's Mac's penance to um, write this book for john travolta and it's going to be john travolta's redemption and they've had all this horrible stuff between them which is really complicated and it's about characters you don't care about but uh things suck and john travolta goes home and just to you know make this even clearer that everything's just fucking awful he pisses blood that that's how just terrible everything is he just pisses blood everywhere um, and Scarlet comforts him, he's in his underwear and, and she snuggles with Matt by the fire afterwards and they have another sincere quiet moment. And look, it all comes out, you know, Bo- uh, John Travolta, Bobby Long, he beat up a guy that slept with Mac's girlfriend and then uh, John Travolta's son or Bobby Long's son was hit by a car and killed and they've all just had such a miserable experience. And you know, Matt and Scarlet end up falling asleep together um, they're embracing, they're by the fireplace, but it's all innocent. You know, they're, they're in a different place. Um, Max actually, his character's sort of interested, sort of has this thing going with this older blonde woman who hangs around the bar a lot. But, um, you know, he's sort of interested in Scarlet as well. And, and Scarlet kind of antagonizes this older blonde woman. And it's like, you know, will they, won't they, will they, won't they? She, he kind of likes her, but it, it's just all kind of, yeah... It's innocent at this point anyway. And look, then it's Christmas, it's Christmas time and um, kind of their last happy moment, I suppose. Uh, Scarlet's even in pigtails here, which is a whole lot of fun. And look, they're all getting along or at least have accepted each other somewhat. And um, I guess, you know, this really continues that Scarlet trademark of having more of an affinity with the male characters, uh, particularly the older male characters. This has happened throughout all of these films. And again, just as in the films before, all her female interactions um, are antagonistic. Uh, The relationship with her mother wasn't great. The relationship with this uh, woman that likes Mac isn't great. So it's always she's cool with the men, not so cool with the women. And I wonder if um, because she's played that role in fiction so much, uh, because we're so seduced by fiction and... uh, You know we're pretty dumb people as audiences of films we just accept everything and think it's like you know we blur uh fact and fiction i think maybe there are people that think that she's like that in real life and i don't know if she is or not i don't know anything about her in real life as a person um but i I think that you know it has colored some people's opinions i talk to people sometimes and they're like well scholarship but you know i wonder if it's it's because of uh these characters that she plays So look, um, pissing blood Travolta, he's still pissing blood everywhere, he's like a big red sprinkler system, Um, he goes to the doctor finally, I reckon maybe he's got a bad case of Saturday night fever or something, but um, Scarlet dolls herself up for a night out with a new guy, It's a different guy now, she's not with Max, she's gonna see a guy closer to her age, she's in a dress again, she's thinking about college... And at the bar, she realizes that um, she's had all these fake memories of her mother because she didn't have a good relationship with her mother. She's kind of made um, stuff up about her her mother. I reckon that's kind of like what Luke and Leia did about their parents. Do you remember our mother? Yeah, you know, she was kind of sad and and weird. But she's realizing now at the bar that some of those memories that she thought were fake are actually real because there's like guys at the bar that are like, no, dude, that happened. I was fucking there and that shit happened. Your whole life's not a lie. Some of this stuff is true. And then, remember that Scuzzy ex, the guy with the moat, parks his motorbike in the living room? He turns up again to give, like, a really pissed off Scarlet a message. He's got proof that the house belongs to her and her alone. Travolta lied. So more solid drama from her here. She yells and kicks him out. She like she turfs out Macton and, and, and Travolta. She revolts against Travolta. She preps to sell the house. She's done with this shit. Um, she goes back to reading reading is so sexy Let that be if you if you don't take anything else from this film I want that to be what you remember from this film like yes yeah, side boob is sexy But reading is sexy too and she really made me believe that now more quiet reading through a mother stuff um, I'm kind of shocked at this point that this film still has 20 minutes to go because this kind of feels like it should be the climax but um you know i'd be done now i just she sells the house she goes off and um writes a book at the end lovely uh, but instead she finds a ton of letters that her mother wrote to her but never sent because why because she didn't have any stamps she didn't know where or how to buy them she she was a heavy drinker maybe maybe that's the case her mother even mother mother not mother. A mother even wrote a song uh, called My Heart Was a Lonely Hunter. And um, Scarlet, unfortunately, come on director, I'm, I'm on your back again. It's tasked with holding the book up next to it to show the two titles together. Just in case we forgot. Just in case we've um, gotten brain damaged in the last hour or so. Uh, but we do get that nice Scarlet voiceover, which I was hoping for before. Uh, we get her voice over as she's reading the letters, which is interesting because normally, I mean, the mother has written these letters. Sometimes in movies or mostly in movies, you'd hear the mother's voice reading it, but instead it's Scarlet. So, hooray, because she's got a nicer voice than the dead mother. And um, I'll snap, here's the twist. Did you see this coming? Have a think, what's the twist? What's she gonna find out in this letter? Come on, three, two, one. Bobby Long, John Travolta is her father. Holy shit, it's not quite like the Darth Vader reveal, but, you know, if it ends up with her burning John Travolta on a funeral pyre, then I will be sated, all is forgiven. So, she goes off and yells at Travolta and Macked again. She's really kicking everybody's ass in this film. And she begins to, like, get all teary. She's just excellent here. She's great. Great drama. Look, Travolta, he didn't even know, which explains some of the awkward, like, kind of hitting on her moments earlier. Um, And she's not thrilled at this revelation, despite him wanting to make amends, trying to be responsible about this. There's more tears. She really nails it. She talks about the false memories, the memories that she made up about herself. She talks about the memories that other people have of their kids. And this is my favorite line in the film, um... It, it's within a shot where the camera is all on her. She's really emotional. I wondered if she sort of ad-libbed part of this line because she goes... She's giving an example of people talking about their kids. And she goes, Wasn't it cute when Susie couldn't say Super Cali fucking whatever? And I was like, Super Cali fucking whatever? Yes. Yes! You are crushing it. I love that. And then they hug. So look... Everything's going to turn out just fine. We cut to a a party with all the characters there. It's a big garden party and it's for her high school graduation. And Travolta gets to do a big monologue, do a big speech. And he says, um, he quotes T.S. Eliot. And the quote is, we shall not cease from exploration. And the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Is that relevant to us? compared myself to a, a, a great explorer uh, at the beginning of this um, podcast. Is there something in that, in that quote? Will we uh, do all this exploring and arrive where we started and know the place for the first time? I don't know. I want you to think about that. That's your homework assignment. Write me an essay. Email it to me. Uh, I want it by Monday morning, please. Um, and then they dance again. Of course they do. And it's a waltz this time... There's a shitty country song playing, the, the sun is setting, uh, they're silhouetted on the horizon and and they waltz away. And then finally, final scene with her um, bag on her shoulder which has some college's name on it proving that uh, she's going to go on and continue reading and eating. Scarlet leaves a flower and a copy of Mac's freshly published book turned out to be Twilight fan fiction, unfortunately. Uh, and he leaves it on the Lorraine's grave and the camera pans left. And we realize that her grave is right next to Bobby Long's, John Travolta's. He's died too. He's died because he pissed all that blood and, and drank all those things and had a gangrene foot and um, rode a motorbike into a cistern and cracked his head open. I don't know what happened. They don't tell you. But he's dead, and that was the film. So, what did we learn? Holy shit. In conclusion, um, look, it's a return to form for Scarlet uh, in a dramatic role. And uh, it is full to the brim of Scarlet trademarks. We've got her smoking. We've got her in underwear. We've got Scarcasm. We've got her looking around distractedly while touching her legs or feet. Uh, We've got a French reference. We've got an affinity with older males. We've got her being antagonistic towards older females. And she really does do a a solid job in what is otherwise a, a pretty droll drama that, unfortunately, just isn't that gripping. Like, it all slowly unfolds with no real impact at any time. And I don't think we ever really care about Bobby Travolta, Uh, enough for any of this to matter for us like I don't think we ever really have any empathy for him we don't understand why he's so important why he should be the subject of this book Um, he never even inspires us to think about literature like it all just kind of happens he quotes some things we know he values reading but wouldn't it be better if they'd found a way if the direction the script the performances had the strength to make us appreciate some uh literary words for the first time for to make us understand why it was important but he doesn't it just it's like they're going through the motions and that's the problem with this film it's two hours and i don't know why these characters deserve this two hour thing but she rises to the top she's the best part um why was she cast uh i think it's more a question of why did she want to do it And, um, look, it's a strong lead, dramatic role, um, up against the legendary John Travolta. I'm losing my voice. Holy shit. That's how much we've just, um, outpoured about this thing. So, like, why wouldn't you do it? You know, she just did the perfect score for fucking MTV. Go and do the drama. Yell, cry, swear. Dance your fucking feet off. Read. Eat some M&M's and peanut butter. I, I think this would be appealing because uh, even if everybody else, you know, doesn't look great, right, doesn't work, she fucking nailed it. Now, other bits of housekeeping. scar vocabulary. What was the new word we learned? What was the new phrase that we're going to throw into the lexicon? Uh, it's got to be Scarlet No Pants On. And what were her three greatest feats in this film? Number one, we just mentioned it, she danced with... John Travolta, number two, this is for the Brohansons, they were side boob, but number three, she made eating, and more importantly, reading, fascinating, and I'll let that be a lesson to you guys, e- eating and reading, there's no mistake that I'm putting those two things together here, they're both really important, because um, eating fills up your, your, your belly with um, good things, and reading uh, fills up your, your head with covered things, Yeah, think about that for a while. Um, yeah, love song of Bobby Long. Uh, next time on Scarlett Johansson, we have a Scar Joe go about Scarlett Johansson. Um, I should just call the podcast Scarlett Johansson. Uh, next time is a good woman, which I probably refers to Scarlett Johansson. Good woman in my book, reading. I'd read that book. Uh while retaining this is the little description. I don't normally do this, but let's uh let's do this because I knew nothing about this thing. While retaining her secret identity, the illustrious Mrs. Erlin Helen Hunt Helen Hunt we're on a Helen Hunt Hunt and we found her right here in this description. Saves Lady Windermere, Scarlett Johansson, from making a grand social faux pas. ...with the scoundrelly Lord Darlington... ...played by somebody more, Not Dudley Moore, because he would have been dead. But uh, somebody more whose name I didn't put in here. Interesting. A faux pas might accidentally put a foot in her mouth, perhaps. Which uh, would be interesting, considering all the fetishism things... ...that seem to happen in these films. I was uh, thinking, oh, this sounds really appalling. But then I was kind of thrilled to see that it is based on a play by Mr. Oscar Wilde. And he was a witty mother snuggler. So, uh, you know, maybe it will be okay. I don't know. We're going to find out next week. Hope you join me. In the meantime, please rate and review the show on iTunes. Come on, Australia, you fuckers. Rate and review this show. There's one review in the Australian store. America got it right. You guys are all on fucking walkabout. Sort it out, please. Uh, rate and review it on iTunes. Uh, listen to my other shows, the Book Was Better podcast, FPcast, which is the official podcast, Fruitless Pursuits. Um, they look, they're both great. Uh, You can join the discussion group on Facebook. Just search for any of those show titles, including this one, and you will find it. Thank you for being a very good, attentive, studious listener. Go and read a book. Go and eat some peanut M&Ms and um, I'll be counting off the days until we meet again. She starts off really small and then she grows, she grows, she grows, she grows. Let's see how far she goes. Sky Joe would go.